Welcome to The Thriving Christian Artist, the podcast where we hope you connect with God to bust through the roadblocks that have held you back for years, create the work you love, and really live the life you know God created you to live as an artist in His kingdom. I'm Matt Tama, your host. Let's get started. Well, hey there. I'm so glad that you're with me on the podcast today. Listen, in this episode, I want to talk about how your creative expression is literally an intersection point where heaven meets earth. It's not just some random thing that you do. It's not just this side thing that doesn't have any importance. Listen, it's literally an intersection point where God wants to encounter people in everyday life, in the marketplace. He wants to use you and he wants to use me to do that. Listen, we're going to be talking about the connection between our faith and creativity. I'm going to be talking about some specific things about how God lives in our creative expression, and even talking about some of the strategy that God has given me in raising up this army of artists to reveal his glory in the earth. So listen, I hope you really enjoy this. This is part one of Creativity, where heaven intersects earth. We've been talking a lot uh, this weekend about the prophetic nature of creativity and, and creative creatives of artists of all of us as is, is musicians and I hope I know we're in like Music City USA so I hope that this weekend when we've said artists you've made the connection between when I say artists when I say creatives I'm talking about all of us as a tribe you know no matter where you fit in that thing um, you know we're all artists we're all creative people and we really I believe and I think we've proven that in the word this weekend we really are the life givers in culture we're the ones that are called to reach up into heaven and, 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 and translate what's going on in the spirit into the earth realm so that people can understand and connect with God who may never come to church, who may never be able to, you know, may never open the word and read it for themselves, who may never have an encounter with God other than your creative expression. And so we get the opportunity to be, and our work gets the opportunity to be what I call an intersection point. Where somebody's just walking along, all of a sudden minding their own business. And because you chose to create with God, not for God, but with God. You chose to create with God. Somebody's just walking along down the street, minding their own business. And boom, they hear that song on the radio. Boom, they see that picture, that painting uh, in a gallery. Boom, they buy that pottery mug and drink out of it uh, every morning. And boom, the Holy Ghost just begins to mess with them. They buy that sculpture and it sits in their house for five years and the atmosphere changes in their home. They sleep under that quilt and something begins to change in their body. Why not? It becomes these intersection points where the kingdom is released and healing and power and glory and mercy and grace all get released uh, into the earth. And so it's there that it's in that context that we've kind of come together this weekend. And and I want to really tonight... You know, we, we can talk about a lot of things in church, um, kind of in platitudes and, and, and talk about things at a real high level, um, but I want to actually break this down to, to let you know how this stuff actually works so that when, we, when I'm not here to say, you can do it, go, 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 you'll actually know in the Word how this stuff physically uh, works, okay? Is that, is that good? So you can actually understand how this prophetic calling uh, gets released. So turn to John 1 if, you, if you're not already there, and um, this is a, a fabulous just foundational verse for us tonight. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, 
and without him nothing was made that was made. So lest we think we're the originators of that great creative design, <laughs> you're not. And neither am I. We're really, it's, it's like Stephen Roach said on that video, as I engage in creativity, I come in contact with the spark, with the very nature of the creative God. That's what, that's what, what happens when we get into the, the creative space. We begin to touch the very nature of God. That's why if you're a teacher or if you're doing things where people get to, you get to experience creativity with people, you get to open up that place inside of them. Whether they're a believer or not, you're opening up the space inside of them that's ready to touch God. It is really good because, because what happens is when you can open up somebody's spirit in the creative way, whether it's teaching them a song, teaching them a music lessons, whatever, all that. Remember what Patty was talking about today about how the one side of the brain kind of shuts off and the other side of the brain awakens? That's what's happening. And it's that spirit side of us that awakens in the creative process. And so that's why creativity is such a beautiful thing uh, for reaching people who don't know Jesus yet. Because it's a way to easily access our spirit and for us to easily access their spirit. All right? So now it says in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light that shines in the darkness, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So first of all, just as a foundation, I want you to understand that God is life and light. That is, that's what he's made up of. You with me? That's, that's the essence of what he is. And also, because that's who he is, that's what flows from him. It's just like you. If you're filled with the Spirit of God, but then somebody bumps into you, you know, you've heard people say, we leak, right? Whatever's inside of you is going to leak out. You bump into me, hopefully it's the Holy Ghost on a good day that comes out, right? You know, that's, that's what we want. And so when you bump into God, life and light flow out of him, Okay. And so in Genesis 1, where it says, let there be light, I said this this afternoon, God was not just saying, let's turn on the lights, let there not be any darkness anymore. He was saying, let there be a release of my nature. And see, at that point, it, it says, even, even turn to Genesis 1, if you have that real quick, turn to Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, was, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and without void was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters can you imagine that there's nothing at this point there's just darkness and void and chaos and you ever seen those like pbs specials on nova like you know just just kind of a, a whole big ball of of nothingness just void and that, that word right there where it says, and, and he was hovering over the face of the deep, that word is rachaf. And it means to shudder or to flutter or to shake, to vibrate. Can you just see the Spirit of God over all of that darkness just being like, you know, he's just fluttering, you know? He's hovering over it. And in that place of darkness and void and chaos, he says, let there be, boom, let there be a release of my nature. And when he says, let there be a release of my nature, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that it was good, and it divided the light from the darkness, and he called the light day and the darkness night. And so evening and the morning were the first day. Listen, when God releases his nature 
into that which is formless and void and dark. It has to come into alignment. It has to come into order. Where there was disorder, there has to be order. Where there was chaos, now things have to come into alignment. Where there was, was fear and darkness, now there's joy and light and hope. Why? Because God's in the situation. So listen, when you're releasing the kingdom... When your creativity is transmitting the kingdom, it's not just releasing good feelings, you know? You ever had somebody on Facebook, you know, that's not a Christian? Well, we're sending good thoughts your way. What is that? You know? <laughs> I've never had good thoughts because somebody sent me good thoughts. But I tell you what, when somebody sends the light in life of God, situations change. Why? Because it carries power. So what you do when, you're, when your work becomes a conduit, for the glory of God, it literally is carrying his presence, his nature, his essence into situations. And that which is formless and dark and void has to line up. It has to change. That's why you've got to expect by faith, you've got to expect transformation to happen when you step into your calling. You need to expect that when you sing those songs, people get saved. People get drawn to the Lord. You need to expect that when you're making that pottery or when you're writing those books, that they're going to be bestsellers and change the world. Why? Because God's living in them. It's not just your little idea anymore. They're becoming a vehicle on steroids. They're like a Holy Ghost Lamborghini that's going to just fly down the road. Why? Because they're not just carrying your good ideas. Because my good ideas on my best day never even compare to the glory of the Lord. <laughs> they don't. So God is life and light. Life and light come through him when his nature, when his light comes in, transformation's got to happen. You understand how that that whole thing is happening? Now listen, life, all right, the nature of God is transmitted in this realm through energy, right? When there's life happening, there's movement happening, happening, right? And energy yields vibration, doesn't it? When you see something moving and when you see something shaking, there's a vibration that's going on, right? There's a movement that's beginning to happen. And movement and energy, all right, this vibration manifests itself at many different frequencies. On the highest frequencies, it's manifested as light. On some of the other frequencies, it's manifested as sound. But all of it is life and light. Are you with me? So when you are singing your song, when you're releasing the light and life of God, you're not just releasing, again, good feelings. You're literally transmitting the life and light of God. Now, I want you to think about your own voice. If you're a singer, I, I know intimately my own voice because I screwed it up really bad in the early 2000s. When I was singing, it sounded like this, you know. It's really cool, but I can only sing like five minutes. <laughs> It was bad because I was at a church. God was pouring out his spirit. I mean, we were doing like hour and 45 minutes of worship on Sunday, two services. I mean, it was like, you know, crazy. And in the middle of that, we did a 40-day fast. I did a Daniel fast and uh, was drinking a bunch of juice and triggered acid reflux in my uh, vocal cord, you know, in my whatever you call it, esophagus. And um, thank you. <laughs> I was like, what is that thing? And uh as I was at sleep at night or whatever, all the, the fluid and everything was coming up and burning my vocal cords. And uh, I ended up going to a vocal coach. Actually, my vocal coach was Justin Bieber's vocal coach, Mama Jan, if y'all ever seen that movie. And uh, anyway, went there, and I sang the first time for her. She's like, stop. <laughs> and sent me to a vocal surgeon um, who had been at Vanderbilt who actually developed the vocal surgery stuff that fixed my voice. And he opened up my voice, and he, he said they were the largest polyps that he had ever seen. 
I had two opposing polyps on both sides of my vocal cords. If you can imagine how much I talk, I had to go on total vocal rest for six weeks. I was such a control freak, though. I was still doing worship practice, and I was doing worship practice. I would sit in the back and type it on the, on the screen <laughs> of what I wanted him to do. Like, he set me free. Thank you, Jesus. But um, so I know the voice, and I had, to, I had to go through this whole transformation of learning how to sing and how to, you know, do my voice. But at the end of the day, your voice is only about this big. It's like about the size of a quarter, and it sits right here. Guys, you can feel you know, that Adam's apple area right there. That's where when you're talking, you can feel that. You can feel it vibrate. You know, you can feel that vibration there. And in that, that's a little circle of muscles. And there's a little, it looks like this. There's a muscle on this side and a muscle on this side. And when you, when you sing real loud like this, the muscles are coming together. And when you sing real loud like this, they're kind of, blah, 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 you know, kind of flappy. Okay. But that's a Southern word, I think. But, um, so your, your muscles in, in your voice, basically what happens with that is that your muscles are designed to be stimulated by electrical impulses based on the ability of breath to move over them, all right? So your brain speaks to the muscles, and the muscles go up, and at the same time, my diaphragm, you know, Christine and I have been talking about diaphragm this weekend. It's like, it's like you know, you got to use this thing as a singer, you know, otherwise you block your voice. Your diaphragm expands, then it compresses, pushes air up. And when it does that, that's how we, how we sing, how we talk, all right? Electrical impulses tell that what to do. Breath comes over it. Well, just like we each have a physical voice, you have a spiritual voice as well. You have a creative voice, and it works in the same way. Right? First in the natural, then in the spiritual, right? Isn't that the way it works? We see a picture of it, this kind of in the natural, and then we can understand the spiritual. Well, the same thing is true with our creative voice. We have this, we're this physical, emotional, spiritual being that is designed to be stimulated by the glory of the Lord, by this energy, by this life and light of God. And so what happens is as we move and react and create based on the skill that we've been given and based on the skill that we develop in our creative expression, the Ruach or the breath of God, the life giving spirit of God moves over our life. You with me? Well, Hey, there's Matt. And you know, one of the things that I found over the years in working with artists is that real lasting change in our life happens best in the context of supportive Christian community. And that's why I wanted to take this opportunity just to take a second and invite you to be a part of my online community called the Thriving Christian Artists Facebook Group. Listen, this group is absolutely free and over the years has actually grown to thousands and thousands of artists in just about every creative medium from countries all over the world. You know, the cool thing is that it's become a real place of encouragement and life for artists, just like you and me, who want to share their work, share their life, connect with other artists, and really pursue everything God has for us as artists in his kingdom. Now, listen, to join, all you have to do is just click the link in the show notes here and answer a couple of questions just to let us know that you're a real person, and bam, you're in, okay? So, listen, I can't wait to connect with you inside of my Thriving Christian Artists Facebook group. Do it now, and we'll see you there very soon. All right, bye. So what happens is this, we're always asking God for more of his breath and he's asking us, how have you developed the voice that I've given you? 
because kind of at the end of the day, the voice that I've got, I can, yes, I can enlarge my capacity. I can strengthen my diaphragm, but there's, there's this, there's this amount of wind that's going to come over my voice. And what is, what is the sound based on? The sound is based on not as much even the wind, but it's how I've developed the voice. And see, a lot of times we, we cry out to God. We're like, God, give me more. God, do this. God, do that. And he's like, what have you done with what I've already given you? And so when we talk about enlarging our capacity and using our voice for the Lord, it is all about the wind of God, but it's also all about how we are co-laboring with him to develop that voice. So listen, if I don't warm up in the mornings, if I don't take care of my voice, if I don't, you know, if I keep drinking 50,000 cups of coffee and all this kind of stuff, it's going to dry my voice out. I'm not going to be able to sing like I need to. And if I do that, who can I complain to? Nobody, because I'm the one that did it. But if I'll, I'll press into developing that voice and enlarging that capacity, then I've got more opportunity to allow that wind, that voice, to come through my body. Does that make sense? I know that screws with some of your theology because we love to think that it's all God and nothing of us. Like we're just sitting here, these lumps on a log. Like he's just going to come down with a pixie dust and do everything. And yes, it's all based in the place of intimacy. We've got, we, we talked about that a lot last night, this morning, this afternoon, all that. But I want you to understand your, your spiritual voice, your creative voice, is just like your regular voice. Now, the good thing about the Holy Ghost is that he's got a lot more wind than I could ever put behind my diaphragm. <laughs> he can make me sound a whole lot better than I could ever sound by myself. All right? So there's, I just want you to understand that there's this, there's this co-laboring of, of, of developing and I, you know, Patty and I have this kind of ongoing thing. I think we're good for each other because uh, she's on one side of the debate and I'm on the other, but I'm speaking tonight, so you get to hear my opinion. But uh, uh, I really believe when it comes to being filled and skilled, I won't go over all of that, but that's, you know, out of Exodus 31, you know, filled with the Spirit of God and skilled uh, in every manner of workmanship. When it comes to that, uh, it is a skill to be filled. All right, it is a skill to learn to continually be filled with the Spirit. We've got to stay in that place. But I also believe that skill births freedom. Skill births freedom. Why? Because it gives you more options. When you are in the place, just like tonight, for example, um, if if the guys were up here you know, going and blowing and the Holy Ghost is moving and all this kind of stuff. And Luke began to hear this, this song and he began to hear this run and this thing that God wanted to, and he didn't have the chops to be able to pull that off. Then who would be the one that's limiting the Holy Spirit at that point? Thank God you didn't do that because you killed it tonight. Yeah, it was awesome. But you understand if you're a drummer, if you're a guitar player and you're really wanting to to do everything you're doing in excellence for the Lord. If you're wanting to really, you hear this new song, and you, but, you, but you don't have the skill to pull it off, who's the one that's limiting the power of the Holy Spirit? So that's not for condemnation. That's to draw you to jealousy. That's to draw you to this place that says, wow. You know, just like it says, single barren one, you who have no children. For you're going to have more children than the married woman. You know that promise in Isaiah? And then it says right after that, stretch out your tent stakes. Who's the one that's got to do the stretching out? A lot of times we say, oh, God, stretch out my tent stakes. He's like, they're your tent stakes. <laughs> I gave them to you. I'm giving you the promise. Now you step out in faith and do the stretching. And as you stretch, then I'll meet you. Mm. 
All right, so we have to enlarge that capacity, and that's something that the Holy Spirit helps us with. Again, don't segment. We love to think either or. Well, I do this, and God does it. No, God's in the middle of all of it. But there's this part where we can't just lay down and wait on him to do stuff. We've got to be actively engaged uh, in, that, in that process, all right? So when we collaborate with the Holy Spirit in this dance, his life and his light and all that, moves through us and that is called prophetic art that's called prophetic creativity because we're releasing the now word of god the life and light of god through our creative expression i love painters i love musicians but we have this idea that when we say prophetic art it's some sort of abstract expressionism style that we see people do at conferences or in the context of worship art And that is a beautiful expression of prophetic art. When we hear the idea of prophetic music, we think of only spontaneous worship music. You with me? We think of soaking music, that sort of thing. That's such a limited, limited view. Thank God for those expressions because they're the ones that are are drawing us into this movement. But I tell you that they are only the tip of the iceberg. All of us, through all of our creative expression, are called to be prophetic, to release the life and light of God. So whatever your creative expression may be, it has the capacity and, and God has the desire for it to carry his life in his light. Now, this is that very reason is why the enemy has been about taking us out because he knows that we are the life givers. We're the, the carriers of the glory. We're the doorkeepers of his presence. We're the ones in the earth realm that get to open up the windows of the glory and say, look at how beautiful our God is. And so he, that was his job, remember? But he began to take the glory for himself, and God said, out of here, because nobody's going to glory in my presence except for me, the Lord says. And so he's out to kill us because we have what he had. And he's always about that. And we talked about that last night, about the lies that the enemy brings. We talked about how he tried to take out Cain, the father of all the artists and, and musicians, but how God restored it. But I want you to turn to, second kings turn to second kings 24 i love this passage it's one of the things that god began to show me initially when uh we began to move into the worship studio this this calling second kings chapter 24 And in verse number 13, this is talking about when, when Jerusalem, you know, the children of Israel were carried out of their land and carried into Babylon. And this really messed with me because I was like, Lord, why are you even sharing this? You know, what does this have to do with artists? But it says this in verse 13, he carried out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And he cut into pieces all the articles of gold, which Solomon, the king of Israel had made. In the temple of the Lord, as far as the Lord has said, this is Jehoiachin, the the you know uh, son. Uh, actually, Jehoiachin was the king of Judah, and who was it? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar. This is you know all of them in that big fight, and they're taking them out of the out of Jerusalem now. And in verse fourteen, he says, "Also he carried into captivity all Jerusalem." Now he he puts a caveat there. He said, "Let me actually tell you who all Jerusalem was." He said he carried in carried out of Jerusalem because he couldn't carry out everybody. I mean, you know, he's not going to take the whole, you know. So it says this, all the captains, all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives, and all the, 
who? I'm like, what are we doing in the middle of this? <laughs> All the craftsmen and the artists and none and the smiths and none remained except the poorest of the people. You see, when the enemy came in to destroy the people of God, after he had decimated them, after he had separated them, after he had overwhelmed them, he came in and he took out all the leaders. He came in and took out all the military, all the ones that are all the captains, all the, all the political power. He, he probably took out the king. You know, they used to run him in, in front there with a, you know, just naked. He was taking out all the leaders. He was taking out all the military might and the power. And he took out the life givers. Because if you can take out the artists, you can steal the life out of culture. And the Bible says that all that was left was the poorest of the land. When the enemy steals art, when the enemy steals artists out of a culture, all that is left is a spirit of poverty, a spirit of orphans. And that's why the enemy is so after us. That's why our culture and the artistic culture uh, of our day is so uh, raw with sin. It's so ravaged so many times with, with death and destruction and depression and thinking that it's got to be all about this angst. Why? Because the life has been gone and all of creation is groaning for the children of God to stand up and take their place and reveal who God says we really are. See, the enemy is all about trying to take us out. And just it's the same thing. It, you know, it is encouraging in this that the enemy has not changed his tactics. <laughs> we can still get a line on how the enemy operates, all right? And so I really just want you to understand that this thing that you're carrying, this thing that I'm carrying, like I said last night, this is not just a hobby or something that's unimportant. This is your assignment in the kingdom, and it is powerful intersection points that God has designed to release uh, his nature in the earth. Now, just to kind of understand a little bit more the foundation of prophetic art, I want to, in releasing the kingdom, I want to give you two verses if you're writing this down. One is Revelation 19.10. It says, the testimony of Jesus is the what? Spirit of prophecy. So as we prophesy, what are we doing? What is our work doing? Our work is just telling who Jesus is and what he loves to do. Just think about that. When, you're, when you think about, oh, what, gosh, what does it mean to prophesy through my work? Just, just think about your work, your creative expression, releasing Jesus. As you sing, Jesus just comes walking out of your mouth. As your work goes, hangs on the wall, it's Jesus just waiting. Wouldn't that be incredible if you could get an idea that when you did a painting, it's just Jesus hanging up there on the wall waiting to meet somebody? Why not? Because this, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, all right? And then also, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says, Everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening and encouragement and comfort. So again, what are we there to do? We're there to encourage, to edify, to draw people to the goodness and to the beauty of God. Now, I write about in Unlocking the Heart of the Artist that the other side of that. I don't want to go into that a lot, a lot tonight, but I thought it was interesting that that the father talks about, I am, I created the blacksmith that blows on your fire. <laughs> you know, a lot of times it is God who creates the difficulties in our life that draws us closer to him. And in that, a lot of times artists and creative people can be used in that to draw the culture to jealousy, to draw them to think about issues in a way uh, that they've not ever thought about it before, to deal with the hard issues. Not every piece of, of art 
and creative expression in the kingdom has to be this family-friendly, G-rated Disney version of creativity. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I see, you know, one more lion and dove and Jesus on the cross painting, I, I'm, you know, thank you. I, I'm ready for some fresh demonstrations of the power of God. I'm ready for some fresh demonstrations of creativity. You know, I thank God for the people that are stepping out and making movies and doing art and exhibits about sex trafficking and about saving these girls and boys all over the world that are being violated. Thank God. What a beautiful role for artists to be, able, to be taking uh, in culture. And yet it's not family friendly. It's not the thing that we can talk about easily, but it's the thing that we're called to. It's what Jesus would do. <laughs> so this is not right. <laughs> and I'm calling attention to it. Look at this. That's what we have. A, we have a great calling to be able to say, hey, 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 look at this. Look at this. So just understand that when you do that, the power of God um, is on it. Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining me on part one of this podcast, Creativity, Where Heaven Intersects Earth. Listen, I hope you're going to join me for part two. It's going to be coming up really soon, and it's going to continue to encourage you and give you strategy about how God wants to use your creative expression to bring heaven to earth in your circle of influence. Hey, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me today on the podcast. Listen, I hope it's been a huge encouragement to you on your journey as an artist. Hey, also, before you leave, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the other episodes of the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast. And also, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or at my website, which is matttommymentoring.com. Until next time, remember, you were created to thrive. Bye-bye.